couple members of the Randy Newman fandom discussing one of his songs at random, followed by another that's a cover. It's Wheel of Randy. It's Wheel of Randy. This is a podcast where... Ah, you know what? The theme song pretty much explained it. I'm Dan Wade. Good Trash Media is our podcast network. And our sponsor is Wade Engineering. And let's start the show! It's Wheel of Randy! Got Michael Pelusi with us today. Michael's someone I don't know real well, but what I do know is all in the positive categories. Uh, positive number one, he is friends with friend of the show, John Solomon. I heard rumors that he even gave John some crib notes for when he was on talking about Davy the Fat Boy a couple of weeks ago. Uh, positive number two, Michael is from Philadelphia, always a plus on this show. Uh, Three, Michael sent me an interview he did with Randy. Oh, that was 20 years ago now, wasn't it? Yeah. Way, way back. And and then fourth, Michael has selected a song. I'm getting ahead of myself, but he selected a song that I'd never dreamed anyone would want to talk about. So I'm very excited <laughs> about that. So we'll get to that in a minute. Thanks for coming, Michael. No problem. Thanks for having me. So professionally, you are a, a, a writer and editor? Uh, yeah, mainly editing these days uh, in sort of a licensing exams field, uh, but uh, formerly a uh, freelance music writer. For, uh, you know, alternative weeklies, that kind of thing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, websites here and there, mostly in the Philadelphia area. Very good. You from Philly originally? Uh, from the suburbs of Philadelphia. All right, very good. And we, uh, I wanted to start with 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 uh, talking with you a little bit about this this interview that you you shared with me uh, with sure. Randy. And uh, if you don't mind, I'll I'll put a link to that on, on our site. Sure. But, um, I, this was was done in two thousand one, I think, right after nine eleven. Yes, that's correct. Yes, uh, yeah, it was right around this this time. Uh. <laughs> Which, was, which, which was a, a tough time to be a cynical person in a creative field. There was right. A, uh, there was a lot of talk. It, 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 is is sarcasm dead? Uh, we're we're pleased to announce that it, it bounced back nicely. Uh, but what 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 was it like talking to him about about this this weird patriotic age that we were getting into then? Um. Yeah, we definitely. There's a little bit about that in the in the article. Uh, he mentions, sort of unprompted by me, the song "Follow the Flag" from Land of Dreams, which is pretty kind of a deep cut, I think. Yeah. Um, and I guess he was saying how he did not intend that to be a a song taken literally, but if he wanted to exploit it and and make it a literal song, he could. He felt like he could. He said it was part of one of his songs that are so I can't remember the exact quote but like they're 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 so straight down the line you can't tell what he actually what you know it's a little vague what what his uh what the point he's trying to make is 
Um, I've found he doesn't even have to be vague for people to miss the point. Right. Uh, the, 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 the first track on, on that, that um, Bad Love album that had, had recently come out, uh, My Country, some bank used that as a, a jingle. Oh, wow. After it came out. Just yeah. turning something as, as bitter and cynical as My Country into into something patriotic it took a little bit of gymnastics yeah um and the one thing i that didn't make the article that i really really remember was because like he was openly i just i don't think i could figure out a way to incorporate this into the article at the time i just had a lot he gave me a lot of really good quotes so i just couldn't put them all in but he was openly wondering can i play political science ever again which is amazing to think of. And then, you know, he was, I was doing this article because he was playing a show in Philadelphia at the Mann Music Center uh, with like a local orchestra. Um, and then at one point during the show, and this was by now, this was September 28th, I think when the show was, and he said to the audience, should I play political science? And everyone goes, yeah. So he did. So it was, yeah, I guess that was even, even that soon after uh, 9-11, I guess there were people who were, um, re you know, ready for, for that song. And of course, and then, you know, years later, he's playing it on the Colbert Report. It, it's become like it, it, you know, once sort of, you know, uh, you know, certain, you know, certain, you know, subsequent events in the years, you know, after, I guess, lent that song new, new resonance and it was able to become something like he was like being like, you know, and then being asked to perform on television. It's uh, it, it it seems to to get new life breathed into it every every eight years. Yeah, so. absolutely. God. Um. So he 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 played with with the orchestra. There was was that the only time you've seen him? No, I saw him one time after that. In I can't remember when exactly. I think it was around the time the first volume of the songbooks came out. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so what's that like? Two thousand four, maybe. Um, and that was just completely solo, and that was really great as well. That was at the Keswick Theater, which is a uh, which is in the suburbs of, of Philadelphia. I remember '05. He was scheduled to play. No, no, it must have been '06. He was scheduled to play the New Orleans Jazz Festival, and then Katrina wiped that out. And uh -huh. uh, long story short, the 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 this it's never been in the stars for me to see him. Oh, bummer. Yeah. It's all right. Uh, I, I'm the kind of person I don't need to be the, the guy who says, yeah, I've seen him to, to, to enjoy right. it, you know. Um, so you seem to be pretty passionate in, in, in your, your enthusiasm for him. Uh, John was, was saying that you were giving him all these notes. That's one of the, the things I've loved so much about doing this show because it, this is definitely a, a niche topic. I'm, I can't, you know, go down to, I can't go down to, you know, the local bar and, and, and you know, pop a Randy Newman song on the jukebox and find five close friends. Got to, got to kind of hunt for each other. So yeah, it's, it's nice to, nice to make those connections. I want to spend a lot of time talking about this, the song that, that you've brought today, because this is one that, that, that I think about a lot. Um, so 
T tell the audience the song we're talking about. Uh, yeah, I, I uh, chose Let's Burn Down the Cornfield. Folks, this is the second track off of the album 12 Songs, and there's a link on our Twitter page. So take a listen to Let's Burn Down the Cornfield a couple of times and then come back and, and we will talk all about it. Camp down races, sing this song, do-da, do-da. Okay, Michael, we're back. This is uh, definitely in my top five Randy songs. Oh, excellent. And yeah. it's one that is often overlooked. Um, but you know what? I like Randy because he is often overlooked. Mm -hmm. So in, in that spirit, this is one that, that, that's really, really special to me. Let, let, let's start off. Tell, tell me why you picked this one. I think I was, yeah, I was definitely looking for something from the classic period, I guess, you know, which, you know, I mean, I like stuff from all the years, but 68 to 74, I think, mm -hmm. you know, and that from what I gather from your conversation with John, you know, you kind of understand sort of the idea that that's sort of his peak in a lot of ways. Um, and I think I just, I, I wanted something to pick something that, that maybe wasn't, I didn't want to pick something that was like, a really super well-known song, even among, like, I guess, you know, um, even for someone who's sort of a cult songwriter, I still feel like he has, even beyond I Love L.A. and Short People, there are certain songs that are always cited, like Political Science or Sail Away. And I wanted to pick something slightly m more obscure, but not that much more obscure. And also something that I just think is really uh, a really great song that really highlights the things that are, that are really uh, amazing about him. This song, I, I, I feel, could be set in any number of settings. It, yeah. The, the first time, it, it's always reminded me of that Bradbury short story uh, set in Ireland where they want to burn down the master's house, but they're, everyone brought whiskey, but no one thought to bring matches. Oh, I don't know that. I, I only know a very little bit of, of Bradbury. Uh, uh, it, what's that it, called? called The Terrible Conflagration. I think okay. Um, but, you know, this could be set in Ireland. This could be set in the Deep South. This could be set 100 years ago. This could be set now. Yeah. There's, there, there's, it, it, it's open to so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really just... Um... I mean, I'm a, you know, also on sort of a literary uh, angle, I'm a big fan of, uh, cr you know, uh, crime novels and film noir. And I feel like this also has a lot of the hallmarks of that, um, of, of those genres as well. Yeah. Um, and I like, um, I guess, you know, it's so sparse lyrically, but you get so much of this, this character. And it's sort of, I, I think, another, one of the reasons I chose it is I think it does, you know, there are, are ways in which he's obviously technically a very limited singer, but he uses his vo his voice so well in creating a character. Just the way the the way he emphasizes certain lines or certain words, or just the way like on this song the syllables sort of fall away, like it's almost like you hide behind the old oak tree, stuff like that. You know, sparse is definitely the term, not not just in terms of, of the writing, but in, in the production as well. Yeah. Uh, talk talk about telling a story in few words. I mean, this is, I mean, and most of the words here are repeated. Right. Um, but, but you get a very clear image of what's going on here. 
Yeah, and I was sort of interested, you know, I, I also picked it just because I did think it is sort of, it's atypical in that there is no piano on this song. Uh, oh, and there, I, have, yeah. I guess not. It's just yeah. bass and, and guitar, isn't it? Yeah, and, and maybe a little percussion. Band. And I think maybe at the end it sounds like something like a, a bell-like, like a Celeste or a glockenspiel, something like that. Huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I can hear that now. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah, I feel like there might have been like someone like a, a co-arranger on this song that wasn't involved with the rest of the album. Uh, like someone like one of these like one of those like sort of L.A. session guys like Jack Nietzsche or someone like that. Or, or maybe Van Dyke Parks was was uh, sort of brought back in. I, I can't remember. Okay. Look at that. It, it does have a different feel from from the rest of the album. It's, yeah, it's it's definitely quieter. You know, if if this is a record that that you put on while you're you know washing dishes or something, uh, you can go through this entire song without hearing anything. Yeah, uh, it, it's the kind of song that rewards you finding a quiet room or a good set of headphones and just just doing nothing but listen to it. But yeah, it, it it's almost jarring when it goes from the end of this to to. Um, Mama told me not to come. Yeah, like I feel in fact, there's there's not even that much of a break. I feel like between the songs, it's like the, the uh, like this fades out, and then you hear that like immediate like a snare drum in, uh, for for the next song. Yeah, it's definitely uh, a big difference. I was surprised that this has been covered as much as it. Has. Yeah, I was really, I I I really uh, I found I found some really just illustrative different interpretations of uh, it. Do you know John Balber's version? I do, yeah. That was one of the ones I yeah, I, 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 I listened to. That that's one that I same notes and same same words, but boy, just a completely different feel. Yeah. You, you don't have the, the 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 whispering. You don't have the the the, the feeling that they're sneaking around. Right. Know. And of course, you know, being John Baldry, he says "boing" every time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he, he and John Fogarty need to uh, get their act together when it yeah. comes to learning how to say "burn." <laughs> uh, and I guess Elton John was involved with that. Oh, I know. I mean, I, I know. Yeah, I know they were friends. Um, I didn't realize. Uh, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't realize. Like, he's play, Does he play on it? Yeah, he's piano on that. Okay. Which I. That's a part of Elton John's history I know nothing about. Yeah, yeah, me neither. I really like Etta James' version. So do I, yeah. Uh, my favorite, though, is Lou Rawls. That was really good. Uh, yeah, the one thing I didn't like, I thought the, the horn section near the end was, was I, I, that was like a little too, it just seemed to like come out of nowhere. Like he, you know, he does a really good job initially of like sticking to, like not sticking to the arrangement, but kind of using the Newman arrangement as a good basis to do something else. But I feel like with a lot of these covers, they feel like, well, I guess there should be a guitar solo or something loud at the end. And, and yeah, that, that's one thing I, I, uh, I, I, like, I like the ones that have their own feel, but keep, try to keep the sparseness a little bit. I, I really wonder, like, are they going for, or are they trying to evoke Fire engine siren? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I never I thought know. of that. Yeah. I mean, even if they were, uh, the guitar on the original version kind of does that on its own. In a, yeah. In a, a, 
uh, engines in the distant kind of way. Right. Um, I like the Nolan Porter version a lot, who's someone I never heard of before. Oh, I don't know that one. Yeah, that's uh, he's like he's definitely like sort of a lesser known R and B singer who I you know um, was I think eventually rediscovered uh, maybe in England at some point. And then uh, the one I found another one I found really compelling was Sam Sumidio. Do you know who that is? No. No, that's Sam yeah, the Sham. Oh, oh, as in in the Pharaohs? Yes, like yes, he tried to do. Or, yeah, he he attempted to sort of do an album. Um, under his own name, um, wow. sort of, sort of rebranded himself, tried to as, as sort of a um, southern soul singer. Like Jerry Wexler, Wexler signed him to Atlantic Records in the early '70s. Um, this album is called Sam Hard and Heavy. It's a very great photo on the cover of him uh, on a motorcycle. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he does. Um, he does Lonely Avenue. He does uh, Sweet Release by Boz Skaggs and some blues songs. Uh, it's it's not it's not a I wouldn't call it a you know lost masterpiece or anything but it's definitely uh, an interesting you know it's definitely worth checking out. I just pulled up the cover. That is yeah. wild. So I I was surprised to find that many covers of this because like like you I thought this was one that was was kind of lost to lost to time that, that people right. weren't aware of it. But apparently, there's an appeal to this that, that. Yeah, I yeah I think I wonder if it's maybe um, because I guess it's it's a fairly traditional twelve bar structurally, um, so you can sort of you know it's a, a good template to sort of do all sorts of different things with it, and it is I guess if you you know are, are into I guess if you are into a sort of enigmatic, potent you know uh, sort of. Uh, suggestive scenario um that you can sort of that as a singer you can sort of play with that that's you know that i guess i guess that's part of the appeal yeah, yeah there's yeah i mean even like like not even to go not to go further down this this sort of road but there's like i found um a belgian punkabilly band in a version oh um, okay yeah. stop everything <laughs> everything you know about this yeah they're called i i don't the name is unfortunately not great. The the seat sniffers. I, I feel bad even having to say it. <laughs> but um, and then also a sort of like Brooklyn noise electronic band called Collapsing Scenery did a version with James Chance, the like no wave saxophonist. Okay. Uh, so yeah, basically yeah, if you can imagine like trendy Brooklyn warehouse show, somebody covering "Let's Down the Cornfield." That's what that sounds like. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, I was very yeah, I was sort of blown away by just how many just jazz like your jazz singers do versions of it. No, no one that I had heard of, but it definitely yeah, it seems to yeah, really lend itself to interpretation. Wow. All right, let me tell you. I I'm, I'm going to tell you a personal story about me and this song. Okay. It'll tie in into this. Mainly this spring when I was cooped up in quarantine, I would you know, perform Randy songs on YouTube, just for mm-hmm. my friends, pretty much. But I did an acapella version of this on my front porch with a couple of candles. Uh, and then after about three days, I took it down. Because this was, you know, when George Floyd was, was just making the news. Mm-hmm. And we had a whole lot of demonstrations. And then we had, um, you know, sometimes people in, in bad faith 
starting fires and trying to derail the conversation. Um, but this is, I, I bring that up because, in what are we talking, 1969, 1970? Mm-hmm. This, this is a, I'm not saying it's a riot song, but it's definitely a song that, that can be encouraging mm-hmm. in times of, of civil unrest. Um, that you can all, almost imagine that this is uh, that this is uh, can almost imagine that this is fighting back against the plantation owner. That that there is this what what what's the, the phrase writing is is the language of the unheard, right. uh, and so you know I took it down because you know, most of my clients are fire departments <laughs> and I didn't yeah. want to give the wrong impression. But I can see that that might be the reason in, in, in the early 70s that, that, that so many people uh, saw an appeal to this. Yeah. I felt really bad about having that video up because I don't want to give the wrong impression. I don't want things to, to be you know, violent for violence's sake. Not, not that any of my friends were... were really inspired to go burn things down based on my dumb song but it, it it's like how do we how do we recognize that that desire to destroy oppression and that that's what i wrestle with with, with this song hmm. it, is this a good guy that's talking to his girl about about uh about burning down the cornfield or is he just a hooligan who likes listening to fire while he's making love? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I always heard it as sort of just an arsonist who is excited by it. And sometimes it's like, I'm not even sure, like, how interested is he in this woman <laughs> that he's singing to? He talks a whole lot more about the fire than about yeah. her. Yeah, And And I love that understatement as a... It's so good on a cold night to have a fire burning warm and bright. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I definitely think, yeah, it's definitely one, yeah, one of his, uh, you know, uh, unreliable narrators and yeah, um, definitely one of his sort of, you know, one, definitely one of his shady characters on an album that is full of them. I, I, I think I tend to err on the, you know, um, on the side of trying to just sort of, you know, take the song as, as it stands and, you know, weigh the sort of things that are good about it and even, and, you know, and take into consideration the problematic things, but, but to always try and, especially with a songwriter like him to sort of, you know, to always keep in mind that, you know, uh, his modus operandi is really not singing, singing in character, singing in characters that he may not necessarily approve of or like, but still trying to, find their humanity uh and that that's i think one of the things that, that i found really valuable uh, about his writing and and i think you know even like you know even though you know he's basically you know a, a fairly privileged white guy singing you know songs that i a, a fairly privileged white guy enjoy i still think you know there are challenging things that that about about his writing that i that i really uh, often times find um valuable yeah mm. Sometimes I read too much into these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one, one thing that I think I'm reading too much into here is that it almost seems like, you know, he's talking with his 
girl, and th this is kind of a spur of the moment idea. Yeah, that he has to go somewhere, presumably to get supplies. Uh huh. Uh, so he tells her to hide and t and stay out of danger until he returns. So it's not like he's been planning on doing this. Right. It's just a spur of the moment. Thing. Yeah, and, and I guess that even gets to the idea: is like, is it even going to happen? In you know, <laughs> like it never, like you never actually. The song does not describe them burning down the cornfield. In fact, it is, you know, like the suggestion. And he doesn't even have, like, he doesn't even have the supplies. I feel like, yeah, sometimes definitely Randy Newman sings about guys who are uh, a lot of, who are kind of all talk. Oh, yeah. No cattle. Yeah. <laughs> now, what else we talk about on this? Let's talk about the guitar on this. Oh, yeah. Because the guitar on this is is very, very similar to to what we see on, on Sail Away. Mm -hmm. um, last Night I Had a Dream is, is yeah. very, very similar stylistically here. Um, and it, that's not something you hear a lot in many Randy songs. Like, yeah. The guitar is the key like that. D was he doing that just just to show his his breadth as a songwriter to, to keep him being just the piano guy? What do you think was the, the reason? Well, I know, you know, on both of those songs, on both Let's Let's Run Down the Cornfield and Last Night I Had a Dream, that's, I'm pretty sure it's it's both cases, it's Ry Cooter playing guitar. Oh, okay. And I know they, I think they were friends and then, you know, Ry Cooter was also a solo artist also signed to Reprise Records at that time and I think was another guy who was sort of doing a style of music that was sort of a little, seemed a little more like he was pulling from styles of music from the past to make and trying to sort of, you know, pull them into, I guess, what then was like an early 70s setting. So I think he, like, they both had sort of uh, like, yeah, I think they were friends and they had sort of similar interests. And, um, and I think probably because especially a song like this that, you know, like has, you know, is basically a, a blues I'm sure it probably made sense to, to have someone play, you know, someone like Ry Cooner play slide guitar on it. That does make sense. I, I assume at this point he hasn't met Bonnie Raitt yet. No, probably not. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, 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 I think maybe she was making records or at that point, but yeah, I'm not certain. Well, Michael Ross, a longtime listener, is he? he his claim to fame is that he is the the number one Bonnie Raitt commenter on Genius.com. <laughs> I'll, I'll hear from him immediately yeah. after he hears. No, he, he's pausing right now to give me the answer to this. But yeah, I, I, let's burn down the cornfield. It's so good. Yeah. Just so good. And it, it's one that I'm just glad there are other people out here who, who take it. Because I was like, is it just yeah. me? <laughs> Well, you want to spin the wheel? Sure. Right. How um, do I do? Uh, is there a page I go to for this? Uh, I will share my screen. Okay. Oh, here we go. What happens here? All right, we've got a hundred songs. Okay. And here we go. So just yell stop anytime. Spin the wheel. Spin the wheel. Spin the wheel of Randy. Stop. Okay. Hmm. All right, Wheel. I assume you know what you're doing. <laughs> uh, we're doing Laugh and Be Happy. 
And folks, this is off of the album Harps and Angels. Michael and I will do a quick cold listen and we invite you to follow the link uh, on our Twitter page and come visit us back here in a minute. So laugh and be happy. Here we go. Bet my money on a bobtown drag on the doodah day. And we're back. Okay, Michael, laugh and be happy. Uh, you talked about him, him uh, walking the line between sincerity and cynicism. And I think we're on that line. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, it's always uh, yeah, a little clear where he was going with this. I, you know, I think he wanted to make a uh, pro-immigrant you know, statement in a sort of underhanded way. Um, but yeah, I, I yeah, I, I I confess this is not. I mean, this is not a song I ever would have thought about talking about having to talk. I about. know, I know. <laughs> the wheel knows what it's doing. Yeah, yeah. This uh, this is this is a strange one. Yeah, I, I've never really thought about it as being a pro-immigrant song. Um, yeah, I, I mean, there's really only the one. You know, uh, yeah. The, it's never been about keeping you out. It's about inviting you in and letting you play. I feel like they're, yeah. Um, you know, there's, you know, you 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 talked about "Follow the Flag," uh, and and the other song on that that same album that this kind of reminds me with is "Roll with the Punches." Right. That there's this. What what do you have to complain about? This is America. Yeah. It, it, put a smile on your face and get to work. Yeah. Kind of thing, and I I know he doesn't believe that but right he does it here in such a convincing chipper way yeah roll with the punches always feels to me like like really explicitly like hit that's his version of commenting on sort of the reagan era yeah 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 <laughs> um, but yeah this uh yeah yeah and i feel like th- definitely this one is so close to the line and it, it does feel like maybe he could have maybe expanded on that like it, it you know um a lot of the lines don't really <laughs> it, it, i mean maybe i mean that's part of the point that it's just a, mostly a stream of cliches and you know what two songs after this on this album we have piece of the pie uh-huh which yeah. basically destroys everything that he's said here yeah <laughs> but uh, if, you know, if you're in belgium you'd be okay right now but but uh the the only people that are benefiting off this system are are, are, are people like me and and Jackson Brown and yeah. our mansion. <laughs> um, so I I've never understood, especially late in his career, when he's not doing this to to pitch it as a song, you know, as a songwriter. Mm-hmm. Um, why why he would make a song like this? I, yeah, I just don't get it. I mean, I'm trying to think. I feel like, you know, I one of the things when you know, if, when I interviewed him, this did come up because right before I interviewed him, I saw him perform on a PBS show, and then he did an interview like in you know it was one of those things where one of those shows where it goes kind of back and forth between live performance in front of an audience and then an interview, you know, interspersed. And in one of the interview segments, he says he sometimes asks himself when he writes a song, who is this for? (laughs) 
and then I asked him, like, do you ever get, it, find, get an answer for, for that question? And he said, no, not really. And then I think he also was like, you kind of can't, you, you can't, you can't, uh, at a certain point, you, you, you can't, especially, especially when he's writing the songs for his albums, not counting um, movie songs, obviously, and, and movie scores. But like, you can't, you, you have to kind of put that out of your head. Um, you know, the idea of an audience, you kind of just have to, you know, I guess, um, write the song that you think, this, you know, write what, write the song that you think you should be writing, you know, whatever, you know, the song as, you know, kind of, I guess, sort of let, let the song sort of unfold as it, as it, as it will. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, this isn't a weird genre, just the, yeah, the very sort of um, circusy music. Uh, I mean, the arrangement. At one yeah. point, he has a broken dish for part of his percussion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It definitely seems like yeah, yeah, almost like um, like a song for a non-existent musical. Yeah, um, it, it, he he did this for one of the songbooks, and and he does a really clever thing with with the piano when it comes to that blackbirds thing, uh-huh. where where he. You know, he's got sound effects here in, in, in the studio version, but he, he's able to recreate that pretty realistically on the oh, okay. Yeah, thing. I think I have that song. Yeah, I'll have to, I, don't, I haven't listened to that in a while. That, 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 that one's really, really well done. Um, I think I, I like that circus. I was trying to, to figure out what, 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 you know, what the flavor of this song was, and and yeah, it, it's got this kind of madcap almost a vaudeville feel to it yeah yeah and at the same time it's almost like uh, it's almost like a children's song yeah and then he throws don't let the bastards grind you down (laughs) there there goes that sentiment yeah this is a this is a weird song man yeah you know what? That was so weird that if you're up for it, we could even spin again. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> what happens because yeah, I've let people respond before. That's letting some people behind the curtain. Some people are going to be very upset. <laughs> but let's spin. Let's see what All we right. get. Spin the wheel, spin the wheel, spin the wheel. Oh, Randy. All right, and I'm just going to close my eyes this time. Stop. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I, th- I think in your interview, you said this was one of the most beautiful songs ever written. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Uh, we're talking about Marie. God. Yeah, really. What can you say about this one? <laughs> uh, uh-huh. It hasn't already been said. Yeah, this was definitely one that I was, yeah, definitely kind of obsessed with just just in terms of how uh yeah the, the the beauty of the music and the very subtle sadness and sickness of the lyrics um this is one you have plenty of, of you know unreliable narrators you have plenty of yeah. characters but this is the only one who kind of kind of knows that he is yeah and he's got a good woman and uh, she she's too good for him. Right. He's trying to figure that out. Um, uh, the, the the line that always gets me here is, is uh, I don't listen to a word you say uh, when you're in trouble. I turn away. Yeah, that's yeah that that's that's gut wrenching. And just the way the strings rise, 
um, during all that. Yeah, that was also like, I like hadn't played piano since like I was in uh, grade school, like when I took lessons. And then I, I, you know, when I was like, re- you know, really getting into him, I bought, uh, I bought the piano, like a songbook of Randy Newman piano music and had bought like an electric piano. And this was like one of the ones like this, this song and like a couple of, like this in Louisiana and the theme from Ragtime. Those were like the ones I was like, I'm going to be able to play these songs no matter how long it takes <laughs> yeah. just for me. No, I'm not going to play them for anyone. It's just, just for my own. Uh, yeah. My, my own. Yeah. My creative satisfaction. Gosh. I, I, I... This song's so good, I don't have anything to say about it. Yeah, I know. Like yeah, just people should just, should just listen to it. It's just beautiful. Yeah, it's really, yeah, just from, yeah, I like everything about it. I like, yeah, um, the opening, just, yeah, every, every every chord, every note is right on. Well, I think the wheel owed you one, so. Yes. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, so help me out now. We're at the point where we do this week's cover. okay and we've got some nominees out there uh but if you had one cover of let's burn down the cornfield that that you want us to link to and have have people look at uh which one should we do i would say the nolan porter uh one is is my favorite all right and we will put a link on there for everyone that's about it michael thank you so much how can people get hold of you uh, they can go to Shaky Mike on Twitter. I've, uh, I'm very thankful that, that John put us together, and I've enjoyed uh, watching your feed and getting to know you from that. And I, oh, cool. I, I highly recommend that, that y'all Thank follow. you. Yeah. Right. Okay, that's it for this week. Thanks a lot for, for coming, Michael. And, uh, sure. Thanks for Thank spinning you. the wheel. Yeah, this, was a, this was great fun. Thanks. Well, folks, that's it for another episode of Wheel of Randy. I am Dan Wade, your host for this week. Wheel of Randy is part of the Good Trash Media Network. Special thanks to Brian Mays for our artwork. You can check his work out on Facebook at Brian Mays Art. Not Brian May, that's the guy from Queen. Thanks to Moturn Media for our theme song and the This Week's Cover song and the Spin the Wheel song. You can check out Matt's work at Moturn Media. That's M-O-T-E-R-N. Special thanks to Alex Sanchez for our Second Chances theme song. You're listening right now to Rock and Gravel by Sid Valentine's Patent Leather Kids, and it is public domain. Thanks to everyone whose little audio clips I've stolen for the other bumpers. Thanks for being such good sports. Wheel of Randy is brought to you by Wade Engineering. We are a water and sewer engineering firm licensed in Oklahoma and Texas. We specialize in small town water and sewer work. We provide individual affordable service. The other service that we provide is to other engineering firms. I am a hydraulic modeler. 
I build water and sewer models and I can do it cheaper and more accurately and prettier than your in-house engineers. So give me a call. Wade Engineering can be reached at 405-426-7634. And you can also use that number if you just want to talk Randy with somebody. Uh, when I say talk Randy, you know, okay. All right, we'll see you next time. Bye. It's Wheel of Randy.